out your message notes. Uh, you should have received them when you walked in and pull out your Bibles, get ready. Uh, I'm going to talk about relationships. In fact, the name of the message today is Friends Carry You Crippled. Friends Carry You Crippled. And I believe this, that relationships are the currency of life. It's not how much money you have in your bank account. It's not how much money you have in your 401k or your retirement. Really, the currency of the richness of your life is based on the relationships that you have. And I'm a firm believer that God wants us to have lifelong friendships, people that do life with you, that are there for your big days and there for your bad days. And in society today, the tragedy is the fact that many people live in this world and in this earth and live their life alone, never really having great friends. And so God wants us to have relationships and friendships. In fact, you hear me say it all the time, that show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That those that you hang out with, those are the ones that will mark your destiny, that friendships determine destiny. And so God wants us to have great friendships. And, uh, you know, if you're in here and you say, well, I don't have friends, I invite you to make friends with people in this church. We love people. You say, well, you don't know all my mess. I don't have to know your mess. I know you're a person and we love people. God loves you and we love you. Here's what I would say. Welcome home. Just welcome home. This is your place. Build friendships in this place. Friendships with people that can carry you when you can't carry yourself. And I want to dive into today in Luke chapter 5 verse 17. If you have your Bibles, this is the story of Jesus healing the paralytic. Jesus healing the paralytic. There's a paralyzed man that Jesus heals. He's in Capernaum. So this is close to his hometown where he was growing up in Nazareth. It would have been by the Sea of Galilee and Galilee itself. And so we read a story about uh, these men that helped them receive their miracle from Jesus. And I'm just going to read the whole scripture this morning and then share just a few thoughts that I have with you. Some thoughts that I believe will set you free. And you know, I, this is what I would encourage you. Get your expectation up. How many know you can be in a moment, and in that moment, Jesus can change your life forever? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I feel like that's your moment here this morning, that there are some of you, you don't even know why you're here. You, you don't really know why you accepted the invitation. Maybe you hadn't been to church in a long time. Maybe you've been in church, but it was a religious act, and you showed up here this morning. Can I tell you, get your hope up. Let God stir something on the inside of you. Open up your heart to receive. I promise you this, that God is going to touch you this morning. I don't mean to preach. I'm preaching already and got into it. Here we go, verse 17 of Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It says, one day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Isn't that interesting? I'll come back to that thought a little bit later. But the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Then it goes on, it says, some men, uh, the other gospels, which this is found in Matthew and Mark, actually talks about the four men, came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So he's got some friends. They love him and they know that Jesus is in the house and his miracles are taking place. He's healing the sick. And so the friends say, listen, if we can get our friend who is paralyzed to Jesus, he can and will be healed. 
So the problem was they went up, but the house was full. And it says when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on top of the roof. So the house is full, the doors are blocked, the windows are blocked. The only way they could see to get to Jesus was to bust a hole in the roof. They were raising the roof. Come on, somebody. It says they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, say their faith. He saw their faith, something amazing happens. It says, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Salvation takes place in this man's life right there. And it says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law begin to think to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? For who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, isn't it interesting? You have all these people. You have the crowd. You have these friends. You have those that are being healed. And they are receiving the miracle working power of Jesus. And then you have the religious that are standing there, the Pharisees, and they are judging Jesus. Can I tell you this? You'll never receive from Jesus when you're judging. You can't receive and judge at the same time. You have to say, God, I believe. I don't understand it, but maybe that's why you're God and I'm not. I choose to receive in this divine moment. Jesus knew what they were thinking and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your friend, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up. So he engaged his faith when Jesus said to stand. He stood up in front of them and took what he had been laying on and went home praising God. Everyone amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things here Today, we have seen remarkable things here. Friends carry you crippled. You know, if you think about this story, it's really an amazing story. You have this crippled man. He is paralyzed. And the scholars say he would have had palsy. Now, palsy creates paralysis in your body. And so we know that he was paralyzed. Don't know if he was born that way, if it happened later in his life. But we do know that he was confined to a mat that he would lay on each and every day. And can you imagine that tragedy in your life taking place that maybe you had freedom in the past? We don't know, but we do know this. He didn't have freedom now. That the thing in his life that he probably wanted more than anything was to get up and to be normal. But he was paralyzed and trapped and confined to the mat that he was sitting on. He was helpless and he was hopeless. And then we see Jesus walking on the scene. His hope begins to rise up. And I don't know about you. Has anybody ever felt hopeless? Anybody ever felt helpless? Anybody ever felt paralyzed? I remember when I was 16 years old in 2000 and or in 1993. <laughs> Just checking to see. <laughs> I'm only 21. Why are y'all laughing? And in 1993, I was in Nicaragua. I was on a mission trip. I was 16 years old. And I'll never forget, for the first time in my life, I felt the pain of being helpless and hopeless. We were out there on missions and 
going out and I was traveling with an organization and they had tons of young people. There were probably about 100 teenagers out there. And, you know, I'm 16 years old. And the way we would go out and minister to the people in Nicaragua was we actually did a drama. And then we would preach the gospel after the drama. And translators would translate. And people would give their lives to Christ. And the amazing thing is we saw physical healings manifested because they didn't have any other option but Jesus. And so I'll never forget going out there and it's week three and all is well and I'm excited. And, you know, one day I wake up and there's a little bit of pain in my body. And I thought, well, it's no big deal. I'm just, you know, I'm tired. We've been doing this for weeks. And second day, some more pain happens. And the third day we get ready and we're doing the drama and we've done it a couple of times in the morning. And now it was time for lunch. And I don't know if you know anything about mission trips, but how I many know you can't have uh, lunch without having peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? And chips, that's just what you eat when you're on a mission trip, you know. And so I'll never forget when picked up my PB&J and got it and got some chips and some water and pain was in my body. I went and sat down and for the first time in that moment, pain hit me like I had never experienced in my life. There was just this pain in my abdomen and I doubled over and I laid down on the couch and, you know, all the boys are like, bro, you just clowning. Come on, what you, you don't want to do a drama, right? You're just, you're playing around. I'm like, no, man, I, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm hurting and I'm in pain. And I lay down on the couch and I just remember saying, somebody give me a doctor. Like, like this, like for real, for like, for real. Like, for real, go get me somebody. And after they realized that I was real and serious and that there was pain in my body, they went and got the leaders. And, and then they're like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, well, no, I'm not okay. And I'm in pain. And then they say, well, let's just try to figure some of this out. I'm like, I just need a doctor. I need someone that can heal me, somebody that can help me right now. And so they touch my stomach. And then, you know, the prayer, oh, just this crazy pain happens in my stomach. And she says, well, I think maybe it's appendicitis. I don't even know what appendix was. You might know what I'm talking about. It's like, what are you? And she's like, yeah. And they pick me up. And I'll never forget what it was like to not be able to use my own feet to get me where I needed to get to get the help that I needed so that I could get better for the future. And four young guys that were my friends picked me up and they load me up on the bus and laid me down the center and you're half cognizant, half not. You're just, you're in this pain and this distress and you're helpless. And then, I, you know, I just heard them talk, we got to get into the hospital. And so they rush into the hospital, say, if it's appendix, we got to do it quick. And you're hearing all this in and out. All I knew is I just needed some help. And I got into the emergency room and they hooked me up to IVs and they gave me, you know, all these different antibiotics. And then they did an ultrasound and they said, look, it's not your appendix. You've got an amoeba. And so I had got an amoeba that was eating the lining of my intestines and I was bleeding on the inside. And so my body began to shut down and I was paralyzed. And so, of course, I'm here today. So it all ends well. Put me on antibiotics, but it was weeks. I remember my parents, they were praying for me. They thought, you know, Jim's going to die over in Nicaragua on a mission trip. And I just remember this. I've never felt so helpless and so hopeless in a situation in my life. And I wonder if that's not how this paralyzed man felt. And I wonder if some of us here today, we've experienced that in our life, that some of us have felt the pain of paralysis. Maybe you're in financial turmoil. 
They've come and started repoing your house and your car and you're in distress. You, you lost your job. You, you did everything you thought you should have done and could have done. And you're, you're in this place and you're thinking, God, how do I pay my bills? God, what am I going to do? I got my kids and I didn't even do anything wrong. I just, they laid me off. And this is what I know. We need friends that will carry us when we're crippled. Maybe you walked through a divorce and your fault, not your fault. It doesn't matter. The pain is still real. You're paralyzed. You feel rejected. You feel ashamed. You feel isolated. You feel alone. And so many people, when that happens, they run from God. And so here we have friends that said, listen, he couldn't carry himself. He couldn't do it himself. But you know what? I know where the answer is, and the answer is Jesus you got to have friends that carry you crippled. That's what the church is, a place that's a hospital for those that are broken, for those that are hurting, for those that are in distress, those that don't have hope, those that are hopeless. When did we become this dog and pony show that i got to have my mask and have my life all together? It's never about you having your life together. It's about connecting to the power of your life. So friends carry us crippled that we just say, man, I need your help. I need you to move in my life. I need you to help me. And we've all been crippled. That's the thing we've got to know. Every one of us has walked in life crippled. And if you're not crippled now, there will be a season. Maybe it's the passing of someone you loved. How many have ever lost a loved one? Someone that you looked up to. Maybe it was a best friend, a child, a sibling, a parent. And the reality is there's nothing that will paralyze you like the loss of a loved one. And some people never move through pain and remorse because they don't have people that are willing to carry them crippled. We've all been crippled and we've got to recognize that it's okay that we have these moments in our life where people carry us. And then, and then the thing that we understand in this story that I love is that Jesus touches the man because ordinary people can make a difference. He used friends. Now, now we know this about these people. This is what's so cool about the story. We don't know their name. So we don't know who they are. We don't know their occupation. So we have no idea what they did and, and, and what their vocation was. But we do know this. They were not the religious and they were not the Pharisees. They were people that were just ordinary people that said, I can make a difference. I can help my friend. I don't know everything. I may not have the answer, but I can take them to the one that does have the answer. Just ordinary people making a difference. And, 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 and in that with Proverbs 17, 17, I love it. It says a friend loves some of the time. Now a friend loves all of the time. And the thing we know about these four men is that they had to be friends or family. You keep that scripture up there. They had to be friends or family. And the reason we know that is because this man would have been considered unclean. Nobody would have wanted to be around him because that paralysis caused him to be ostracized from society. And how many know it's only friends that will dig into your life and say, I don't care about the messy. I don't care about what you're going through. I'm a ride or die friend that I'm going to love you at all times, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether you're happy, whether you're sad. I'm going to love you at all times because I'm a true friend. And a brother is born for adversity. See, when, how many have ever walked through something and, and you're going through it and you look around and all the people you thought were your friends, they're gone. 
Where'd y'all go? You loved me when it was good. You loved me when I had money. You loved me when my life looked perfect. But what we're looking for is, God, will you bring people around me that will love me when my life is jacked up, when I make mistakes, when things that don't go right, they mess up my life, and you bring people that love me in spite of my mistakes. Ride or die, friends, and say, listen, I'm with you. I'm here for you. I'm not going to allow you to go back to the past. Your mistake will never cause you to miss out on God. In fact, you don't run from God. You run to God. God uses ordinary people to carry you in your crisis carry you in your mess, people that have faith for your future. Really what we see here is we see four people helping this man. Isn't that a small group? I mean, that's really what a small group is, that, that these people said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to project into your future that I know, listen, I know you're messy now. I know there's things that are bad now, but, but the, that's what small groups are, people that say, I'm going to live life with you. And they had to have loved him enough to go through all this trouble. They had to love him enough to have been rejected at the front door when it was packed. And they said, no, baby, listen, we ride or die friends, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you to the place where you can get the healing you need. I mean, they were a little crazy. I mean, come on, a little cray-cray. Think about it today. The house is blocked. There's no room for anybody. You can't get into the window. You can't get into the door. How many say, oh, no, that church, the parking lot's full. We're gonna, we'll come back another day. No, no, no. You know what they said? Hey, listen, I, I see that it's blocked, but I'm telling you there's a moment right now the healer is in the house. He's not always in the house. He's not always here with us, but there is a divine moment. There's an opportunity, and we ride or die, friends. So we're going to go up to the top of the roof, and we're not just going to peek in. We're going to tear back the roof which would have been made of mud and straw. And so think about this. I mean, it's kind of crazy. They start digging through that. I, I don't know what they're kicking through, what they're stabbing through. But they, I mean, can you imagine this is your house? Yo, yo, yo. Yo, what you doing, bro? Can't you see us full? They're like, no, no, it doesn't matter. No, no, I'm his. We ride or die. You don't understand the healers in the house. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. Why? Because that's my boy. <laughs> you just busted through. I mean, think about that today. Somebody jump on your house and start busting the shingles. Like start just clawing through all the, all, all the wood. How many be like, bro, we're going to sue you? Think about that. You know, you, you're looking at a lawsuit, but you don't care because the healer's in the house. See, I can replace money, but I can't replace my friend. Why? Because relationships are the currency of life. You need friends that will ride and that friends that say, hey, listen, I don't come care, come hell or high water. It don't matter what's going to happen. I'm going to get you to the place that I know that you can get what you need from Jesus. And they did whatever it took. And this is what I love about ordinary people. See, sometimes I'm just an ordinary person and I'm smart enough to know I couldn't have done this without Jesus. Like, like I don't have a seminary degree I'm not a theologian. You know what? I love Jesus. I study the Bible. I work hard. But I also recognize that outside of His presence, none of this matters. And that's what ordinary people understand. They understand that the power is in the presence of Jesus. The power is in the presence of Jesus. It's not because of your degree. It's not because of how smart you are. It's not because of your religious acts and doing everything perfect. The power is, God, I want you, it's your presence, that your presence changes me. Your presence. Think about that. In this moment, Jesus wasn't in the synagogue. 
Which is why the religious were judging him, talking about, listen, you ain't even in church. Like, how can you heal people? You need to do this in church. You need to go out where it's formal, where we created customs and patterns. And you know what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'll heal wherever I want to heal, baby. And he's standing there healing the sick, proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And the same is true today, that he wants to do the same thing everywhere we go. It's not about this church building and see, we get it because we set up and tear down. But when we have a building, when we have a place that's permanent, it's not about, hey, let me just get you to the church. That's great and it's good and it's needed. It's not about just getting you into a service. But if Jesus is not present in that service, we've missed it. That's why I would tell you this morning, listen, come in, just worship God. Why? Because we're creating an atmosphere. We just, God, we, it's all about you. We just, we're creating an atmosphere. Why? Because we understand it's about his presence. It's all about his presence. Not, not, not allowing ourselves to be complacent in tradition or religion. It's about his presence. And I love Mark, uh, in the account of Mark chapter 2 verse 4. This is said in three of the gospels, in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. I read you Luke's account, but I love what we see here in, in verse 4 of chapter 2. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made that opening in the roof. It was above Jesus and they're digging through it. And then they lowered the mat down to Jesus, and he received his healing. Here's the point. Friends help you break barriers. Friends help you break barriers. Where you see no option, they can see past your circumstance. Sometimes we're so blinded by the pain. Sometimes we're so blinded by what we're walking through. you got to have people that say, listen, that's a barrier. Fear, barrier. Rejection, it's a barrier. And listen, if you will take these steps, you're going to move closer to the presence of God. Real friends break the barriers in your life. And I met a couple just two weeks ago in the breezeway and... It was such an amazing meeting, and I love meeting all of you guys. I go out into the breezeway often, and we were standing out there, and I hug and high-five and handshake everybody I can. And this lady came and talked to me. Her and her husband said, we've been coming for a couple of weeks. We've been trying some churches. And she said, you know, the thing that makes this church a little bit different is how much you love people. You know, don't let them say I'm a good preacher. Don't let them say the worship is all. Let them say that. I felt the love, the acceptance. That, see, see, we're all in a hospital, right? Some of us are just a little bit ahead of you in that hospital. And she said, you know, we just feel welcomed and loved. And, and that's, that, that, I, I was like, that's awesome. It's great. And she said, no, I'm telling you, we really feel loved. And she said, Pastor, can I just pull you to the side? She may be in this service. If you are, I thank you for letting me tell your story. <laughs> she, she pulled me over to the side and said, Pastor, I just want you to know my husband's here. I'm like, man, praise God. That's, that's awesome. And she was talking through an accent. And I said, man, it's so good. She said he feels loved and accepted. She said, but Pastor, the truth is he is having a hard time looking past his past. I said, well, you know, we don't. And then, you know, my words are, we don't care about your past. I don't care what you did. You come in here high. Just get here because I know the presence of God will touch your life. You, I know somebody, I just messed with someone who's religious right there. You say, ha, he's telling them go smoke weed. <laughs> no, I'm telling you to bring your friend that just smoked weed and let the presence of God touch them and get off our religious high horse. <laughs> so 
So here's the whole point. She said, you know, Jesus, I just, we just feel this She said, but the truth is this, Pastor, he's been locked up for 27 years. Just got out of prison. And he feels like he's lost his life. That his past will always haunt him. That he doesn't have a future. And he struggles with who he is and what God wants to do. And so I walked over there and I just, uh, but before I even went over there, let me tell you what she said. She said, but you know, Pastor, I believe God has a plan for his future. That God has given him hope. And she said, that's the thing I love about this church. That I feel like she can, he can jump into a place where he feels loved and accepted. And nobody's going to judge him from the past. And I grabbed her hand and we went over. We began to pray. And this is what I know. That God will set you free. I love the story of Joseph. When you look at Joseph, he was in prison, but by the power and the grace of God, Brandon, God took him to the palace. And I'm telling you here, it doesn't matter about the past. You may have been in prison and people will promote you because of God's favor. It's not about what you've done. It's about the greatness of our God. <laughs> Begin to just pray over him. And you know, I thought, see what's happened is she can see past his pain and his struggle. And we've got to be careful not to let the past become your prison. That's why you got to be in a healthy, life-giving church where what you would say is this, man, it doesn't matter about yesterday. Let's talk about today. Our goal is just take the next step. You hear us talk about next steps. You hear us talk about just keep moving forward in your journey. Forget about the past. I'm pressing ahead to the future. I'm straining towards the future. God, you give me what I need, when I need it, and how I need it. And you know, I was praying, I've been praying over that couple, so if you're in here, you've been in my prayers, that people are going to promote you, they're going to look at your criminal record and say, I don't know why I'm doing it, I'm going to say, yeah, I know why you're doing it, because God is greater than you, God will prove faithful, favor outweighs the past any day. So you got to have friends that help you break barriers, people that can see past your circumstance. Then ultimately we know this, that it's faith that positions you for a miracle. It's really the faith that positions you for a miracle. And faith is more than just a belief. Can you imagine all the people that were there in the house? You know, they heard about Jesus. And I would imagine there were hundreds of people, Clay, that went out and tried to get in there and pulled back away. And I imagine there were people that, that had even heard and said, well, Jesus is too busy. And, you know, they, they, he had been performing miracles. Earlier, he had healed the leopard. And so there was the rumor mill going around. And people said, yeah, I know Jesus is here. And there were lots of people that believed he could, but very few people actually did something about it and so faith is what brings the miracle and it's this engaged faith where the friend said listen not only do I believe I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to him because I know if I can get him in Jesus's presence a miracle will take place if you don't really believe that would happen you would never tear open the roof you would never go through the pain you would never go through the process you would never work the way they worked but not only did they believe they have engaged faith that said I know he will I know he will. I know he will. And then you look at the, 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 uh, the paralytic. He actually had to stand up. If you think about his body, he'd been paralyzed. So imagine Jesus says, stand up. Now, what did he do? He had to stand up. So both of them had to have their faith engaged. Listen, you can only ride on the coattails of your friends for so long. At some point, listen, you've got to engage your faith. Jesus, what are you saying to me? Get up, rise up, go serve, go to church, read your Bible, whatever he's telling you. At some point, your friend's faith can no longer bring the miracle you've got 
got to engage your faith. It's that engaged faith. Okay, okay, I'm going I'm to do whatever it is. Whatever he tells you to do, that's what you want to do. Faith positions you for a miracle. Faith positions you for a miracle. And then ultimately, I love this, James chapter 2, verse 26. James 2, 26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Listen, if you don't have actions based after your belief, then it's not faith at all. It's just a belief in. God, I'm going to do something about it. And then ultimately, this is what I loved. They recognized the moment. Friends recognized the moment. So when you look at this moment, back into verse 17, I told you I would go back to this. Look at what, what it says, and this is the only account in the gospel where it actually says this. But it says, the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Now just think about this. This is Jesus, all God. And I don't think there's any mistakes or any just flipping comments in the Bible. But look at what he says. He says, now the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now, wasn't the power of God there all the time? Well, sure it was. But there were certain moments when the miracle working power of Jesus was present. You know, they were in this hometown and Sure, some of his buddies were around in the religious season. If you remember the Bible, it says, isn't this Joseph's boy? Like we know, he's just a carpenter. He didn't go to theological seminary. He didn't, like, like, okay, I get it. Uh, And so what happens is, faith is what activates the miracles. And in this moment, in this place, in this house, at this time, there was enough faith to activate the miracles. And so we see this moment, friends, they, they recognize a moment. And the Greeks have two words for time. One is chronos, which is chronological time. That's sequential. That's in minutes. That's in hours. That's in days. That's in years. It's, it's what we know that happens right now, second by second, minute by minute. But then the Greeks understood this other moment of time called kairos moments. It's a kairos moment, not, not sequential But it's a moment when the Holy Spirit, when God himself, when eternity invades earth. It's where we see miracles happen. It's where we see salvation take place. Listen, if you've been born again, you had a Kairos moment. What's that? That's where the Holy Spirit does an amazing miracle inside of your life. For the first time, you recognized I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. For the first time, you realized that I wasn't intended to live this life for me, but for Jesus. Holy Spirit moved. It was a Kairos moment. And so many times we can miss these divine opportunities, but real friends say, listen, there's a moment right now, something is happening, heaven is invading earth, there's something supernatural taking place. I'll never forget my Kairos moment. And I've had a few where God moved and it was miraculous. I've seen healings. In fact, let me just tell you this, we've had two people healed just recently. One of them uh, was healed of epilepsy, has been seizure-free for almost two months. God healed her body. And then Summer, raise your hand, she was healed of anxiety attacks. She has struggled with anxiety for many, many years. 
Last year, I remember a little boy drowned and the prayer team began to pray for him. And they said, he's dead. He's not going to live. And a miracle happened. He came back to life. And they said, well, he'll be brain dead. He wasn't brain dead. He's fully functioning, living a natural, healthy whole life because of the power of God touching his body. And I remember February 7, 2003. I'll never forget for me. You know, God, I, I was raised in church. So I was around it. I, I knew about it. I knew how to raise my hands. I knew, anybody ever raised in church? You know what I mean? You just, you can be raised in it. And, and I had a heart towards God. And so I knew God was real. And I'd even seen him do some things. And, you know, I'd been on mission trips and, I'd done lots of great things that I felt like qualified me for a Christian. And I'll never forget in 2002, we had launched a restaurant a couple of years earlier. And I was feeling the weight of everything that was happening in my life. And it was just a hard year. Anybody ever have a hard year? <laughs> I don't know about you. Sometimes I have hard years. <laughs> and the weight of all the employees and the weight of the finances. And I was only 24, 23 and so we started to dabble in drugs and knew better, but started to run from God. And what started off with just a little bit, like, like just give me just a little bit so that I can calm down, so that I can get rid of these problems. Let me just have a little bit of freedom. And, and so the drugs would take away that, that, that anxiety and the responsibility. But the problem is it never stops with just a little bit. Then before long, you start living for the drugs and you have a business so you can buy more of it and more of it. Then you become this big party place. Everybody's coming over and on more than one occasion, everybody would come over. And for five days, five days was about as long as I could go. I would stay up 24 hours a day for five days. So I was up partying all night and then I was using drugs to stay up through the day so that I could function. And I'll never forget See, maybe this is why I feel like, come, come to church messed up. Jesus is bigger than your drugs. It's 12.30 at night. I'm in the bathroom. We're all getting ready to go party. It's our fifth night out. Jesus literally walks into the house. I didn't see him, but his presence. I'll never forget it. I felt at that moment I had a choice. I could respond to his presence or I could go on with life as usual. And something happened inside of me. I saw, literally saw this fork in the road and looking back on it now, I believe had I gone out that night, I would be dead and in hell. But his presence was there. It was this Kairos moment, man. Just, And I remember coming out. I said, Phyllis, come here. We were married. And I said, hey, man, Jesus is here. She's like, oh, you messed up. <laughs> She's like, that's a good buzz right there. I said, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about. You guys want to get spiritual when you're high. She has just one of them moments. And I said, no, baby, listen. And I know it's because my mom was praying. I mean, thank God for a praying mama and a praying grandma. Don't you stop praying. Phyllis, she was so precious. She said, no, okay. 
She's like, I don't know if you're telling me the truth, but okay. And so we started to kick people out, literally 10, 20 people out of the house. You got to get out. They're like, man, you're a buzzkill. You're a buzzkill. I'm like, bro, Jesus is in the house. I don't want you, Jesus. I said, then get out. And I'll never forget that moment. For five hours, from 1230 to 530 in the morning, we had a visitation. Phyllis and I, in that moment, heaven invaded earth. In that moment, my life was changed. In that moment, my heart was forever transformed. And I have never been back. And maybe that's the reason why I know God. He, and, and see, somebody say, well, you were messed up. No, no, God is bigger than drugs. I know this, that from that moment, I have never been the same. From that, that was the changing point in my life. I never backslid again. I never went back to the other stuff. It was, God, I'm with you. Everything inside of me. I refuse to go back to the world. There was a Kairos moment that changed my life forever. And this is what I know. There are Kairos moments happening in this place this morning. Where God moves in your life and you're sensing something, you're feeling something. Some of you have already had them. And this is what I would tell you as well. If you need a healing, the healer is in the house. If you need restoration, the restorer is in the house. If you need peace, the God that gives peace that passes understanding, He's in the house. And the Kairos moment can change your life forever. And you say, well, what's the point of the message? This is what I would tell you. You're in a church where we will carry you crippled. You found your place. Welcome home. The people sitting around you, we love you in spite of your hurts, your habits, and your hangups. You hadn't gone too far. You hadn't done too much. You hadn't gone past where God loved. No, no, babe, we're going to help you get to the presence of Jesus. You found your place. People that love you. Then I would say this. There are some of you that are the cripple. You just say, God, here I am. Here I am. Let people carry me. Let people carry me. And then let me tell you this. The other is the friend. Can you be a friend? Can we be friends? Can we be the friends that say, I'm going to help you get to the place where healing happens?